Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And I'm sweating in my nether regions. Yes, indeedy. Weren't you just praying about how you wanted God to bless this podcast? And that's how I decided to start it off. Hey, you know what? God designed us that way, Pete. I think it's okay to sweat in the nether regions. I don't know if it's okay to talk. (laughs) That's what I was going to (laughs) say. I know it's okay to sweat there because I am. I think you're just supposed to talk to God about these things. (laughs) Maybe your wife sometimes, but they don't like that. You know, I, I, I so talked to Jamie about all that stuff and she hates it. So, uh, oh, you know what? Uh, why don't you tell everyone what today's topic is and then I'll, I'll play a little Hulk Smackdown. So today's topic is going to be uh, kind of springboarded off of one of the parables, uh, the parable of the unjust steward, which is kind of funny. Pete will lead into that later. <laughs> but uh, then we're going to talk about the wise use of money towards mission and church planting because Jesus makes the comment. That the uh, the children of the world are wiser with their use of money than children of the kingdom. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Now that it's that part of the show where we talk smack, what, what you, you gonna, gonna do when the Church Planner Podcast <laughs> runs, runs wild, wild on you? <laughs> I love our sound bites. I know they're the same every week, but man, I dig them. Come on, play my favorite. Oh, diddly, 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 diddly. They did their best. Shoddly, Italy, Italy, diddly. Best ever Christian cussing courtesy of Ned Flanders. I love Ned Flanders. That's so great. I used to watch the Simpsons religiously when I was at Biola. And then when I started dating Jamie, she didn't like the Simpsons and she liked friends. And that's when I had to start watching friends. How could you not like the Simpsons? That's my point. I'm I'm amazed I even married that woman. That woman. So, 
a lot of people don't know this, but Matt Groenig, the guy who created them, uh, as far as I know, he's not a Christian, but he is a huge fan of uh, the Jesus movement, um, the music that came out of the Jesus movement, in particular, Larry Norman. Well, trust uh, me, had, it's just the music. <laughs> if you've seen any Simpsons, come on. Well, well, and here's the thing. There are actually tons of Christians working uh, on the staff for the Simpsons, believe it or not. If you ever watch the one where Homer gets raptured and his family doesn't, it is so biblical. Number one, it's funny as heck. But secondly, it's incredibly <laughs> biblical. And uh, and then, you know, of course, the punchline. But But as a Christian, you're watching it going... You have to really know the scripture. And in other words, what they did is they took Left Behind and they did a parody of Left Behind. That's funny. But you you have to know it in order to write it. You know what's funny is um, the sound clip that we don't have loaded up in the soundboard is uh, the Seventh-day Adventist one. Oh, yeah. You got to get that one. I got to add that one. That was such a great sound (laughs) clip. I'm surprised you don't have that. You know, I don't know. I just, I guess I didn't think about it when I was making sound bites. We got all the Jedi ones. I mean, that's important. So I was at uh, the North American Mission Board training uh, for Catalyst, which is kind of like their apostolic leaders. And uh, what was what was funny was there's a guy named Robbie Pitt, who uh, is a great guy. He's up uh, in L.A. And he, he was telling someone, you know, at the table, oh, have you listened to this guy's podcast? And he's like, it's kind of like, do you remember that show? on NPR called Car Talk. He goes, they're like Car Talk for church planners. Do you remember that? And people would call in and they I just never be, listened to that. They would it was a great show. Two old guys, old mechanics. Did he say this this last week at NAM? Yeah. Yeah. Where did he say it? Please say he said it from the stage. I'd love to hear that he, he said did it. not. He did oh. not. But he said it. He said it. You know, we did get a shout out for the West region. Uh, I was in a meeting and and one of the guys there, um a guy named Steve Bass gave us an awesome shout out. But uh, what what was great was um, one of the guys comes up to me and goes, hey, you know how people say you're kind of like the Beavis and Butthead uh, of, of church planning? He goes, where are your Beavis and Butthead quotes, man? So uh, at the end, we, we kind of decided that I think you and I are the Beavis and Butthead. That I, we are the sound bites. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put it. We got yeah, no yeah. food. <laughs> we got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. I just love that line. And, and Pete is in charge of the sound bites, and we'll get a spicy meatball before too long. It's just Pete's favorite. I don't know. You know, the only Pete's reason why I'm in charge of it is because I spent the 50 bucks on the program. If you spent the 50 bucks on the program, you would have your own sound Are bites. Are you kidding me? So I, I called the guy this week, and I'm like, hey, man, I need a mixing desk. Just so it, it, what I what I will tell people is it so I can have a two-channel line when I do an interview here. Oh, yeah. But the real reason is so I can do sound bites. That's right. That's right. I forgot your setup. Yeah, you do need a, a little mix master, whatever you call it. I need to mix it because my voice is so deep on this thing. When I'm listening to it, your voice is, you know, it's nice and kind of high pitched and girly. But mine is deep and, you know, very macho. It, it It's almost too macho. Well, I have the buttons over here. Actually, I think I can only make you deeper. I think I've got <laughs> I, I think I've got your treble turned all the way up. You, you can make Arnold sound like Mickey. Dude, that's another great classic. Get to the church plant! Get to the church plant! Go! No! (laughs) 
I totally forgot about that one. Well, if you guys are new to the Church Planner Podcast, just be aware that Smack Talk is where we mess around a bit just because we can. It's our podcast, and you get what you pay for after all. But, <laughs> you don't uh, like it, we'll give you your money back. That's right. And at the end, uh, partway through, we will actually talk about our topic. But, uh, but you know, hey, you're stuck here for now unless you know how to you know scrub us forward a bit. Usually about 20 minutes in. Usually is, yeah. So uh, what other smack talk you got for us this week? I got nothing. I've been locked in a room all week in Atlanta, and uh, I got nothing except, except. So uh, a couple of years ago when I was working, uh, well, I can't say I was working for him, but I wrote a book for uh, uh, David C. Cook called Church Zero. Cha-ching! It's been a long time since I've cha-ching. The rule is if you, if you pitch your own book on here, you got you to gotta cha-ching. So we make all of our authors, everyone do a cha-ching. So anyways, uh, there was a guy working there named Johnny Blaze. And, you know, uh, up to that point, I, it was actually John Blaze. But, but everyone him, called him Johnny. Come on. Oh, you got to call him Johnny Blaze. Johnny Blaze. And uh, so anyways, up, up until this week, I went to the uh, North American Mission Board. I'll, I'll talk about it when we get into our topic. It'll tie in. But um, NAM, the SEND Network, um, you know, just big respect for these guys. I've, I've been brought on to, uh, to work with them. I can't really talk about it. I have to kill you. It's not uh, what, I'll, what I'll most likely be doing for them has not yet um, been completely released, but for now I'm doing some catalyst work in San Diego. But, uh, but anyways, I went there and I saw a guy's tag and his tag, his name tag said Joe outlaw. And I looked at someone and said, is that his real name? And they go, yeah, Joseph outlaw, Joe outlaw. Is that the coolest name or what? I got a bad feeling about this. That is the greatest name. So, so it's almost as good as Pete Mitchell. Well, Almost. now I I thought the same as you, Pete. But you know, if if you're thinking that uh, podcast audience, you'd be wrong because it's not the coolest name. Johnny Blaze is cool. Joe Outlaw is cooler. But the coolest name I saw this weekend was when we were going down the hallway at Nam headquarters, and I look. No one else caught it. I look, and there on the plaque, Bruce Lee. That's right. You took a picture Ooh. of it. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of David Letterman. Years ago, he did on his show, like people's real names that you couldn't believe they were really their names. And they had to like hold up their driver's license to prove that was their real name. And I don't remember anybody's name except for this one guy whose name on his driver's license was Philip McCracken. (laughs) Phil McCracken. (laughs) Just like. No way. Real name right there. No. What kind of parent? Doesn't think through the name. Like yeah. when we were naming our kids, we're looking at, you know, their initials. What, what, what can you what, twist it to? Yeah. All that stuff. Ask that, you know, but what's really bad is there's probably a family name. That's probably what they named it. So this has probably been going on for generations. <laughs> He's like Phil McCracken three. <laughs> I will visit the sins of the fathers upon the children. <laughs> I actually knew a guy one time. It was actually at Hume Lake. Uh, if it's still around, <laughs> the fires are burning awfully close. <laughs> And uh, he was he was like a seventh, like it was whatever his it was like John something the seventh. It was like crazy. You almost feel guilty if you don't name your son John, and you're a seventh. Wow, I, I don't know if you can not not do that. You know, I don't know, man. But all I know is if I were working in that Nam building, you know, you'd want to go over there and like punk on him all the time. Like, come on, you want to fight? You want to fight? 
You know, you'd be like uh, sending them little clips all day, like you will kill my brother. You want to fight? Fight me. You know, you'd be sending. I them bet all you stuff. anything on Halloween, he wears a yellow jumpsuit. He has to wear a yellow jumpsuit. And, and there's like these windows where you can look through the door, which is cool, you know, for accountability and stuff. But you got these windows that that you know, and you know what 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 I'd be doing is taking a piece of cardboard blowing up a picture of bruce lee's head and sticking like bruce lee's looking out the window but you're probably not allowed to block your window but i would do it to his i i I, I would punk that guy all the time just because his name is so cool he probably hates it he probably is like so uptight so wound up he's like no i'm bruce lee and I, even, so I even give him an accent. I'm, I am so racist. I give him an accent. He can't possibly be first that. generation American. Shame on you, Pete. You know, how do you know he's Korean? I'm just, I'm just saying, but I'm, I'm just, dude, I'm telling you, I got so excited. Everyone's like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. His name. <laughs> yeah. His name's Bruce Lee. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm telling you the whole office probably has a stick. You know where? <laughs> But I'm telling you, it, to them, it was like, oh, that's funny. It's like that Monty Python sketch, right? Where the guy goes, hello. Uh, he goes, hello, I'm Mr. Smith. And the other guy goes, hello, smokes too much. And he goes, oh, you better cut down. And the guy just looks at him. It's uh, it's John Cleese. And he just looks at him blankly. And he goes, you know, smokes too much, better cut down. I bet you get that all the time. And John Cleese goes, no, no, I've I've actually never heard that before. <laughs> He's looking puzzled. Like, well, that's how I felt when I pointed it out. Like, Bruce Lee works here. Everyone's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's his name. Yeah, yeah. They were just kind of like, grow up, Peyton. You know, trying to do mission here, man. They're like, uh, someone please bring him a Bible. He needs to start reading. Exactly. Okay, tour, move along. I don't I don't know that I have any smack talk myself to share. I've just had a crazy week, but it's been like crazy with new business coming in like like crazy wow. but those that's not really funny and no one tried to stab no. anyone at church on sunday so you know well here's what is funny i just can't wait to see that tithe check pete that's all i'm saying <laughs> god bless you for this week <laughs> hey um well if that tithe check's coming in i'm putting in a request that we are not meeting in the bandstand that's all i'm saying <laughs> now you have power you are the powerful tither at the church who gets your way. I'm the guy that everyone comes and bows down. Well, I know Pete's not on staff, but let's check with him first anyway. <laughs> so talk about that fundraiser that you sent me. That was hilarious. Oh, the one on uh, Facebook? Yeah. It was, it was Somebody put this picture up. This church was running Catholic a Catholic fund- memes yeah. posted it. And it was like, um, you could, like, whoever bid the highest on a song could have that song banned for a full year and you wouldn't have to sing it at church. So you just had to pay to basically not sing it. Yeah. You got to, what it was is you got to, um, the, the person who gave the highest amount towards this fundraiser got to pick a hymn to ban for a year. See, I would do it if they let us pick an instrument. Like I would right now today, I would flat out give a thousand dollars if we could ban the guitar from church for a year. Really? Oh Yeah. And and replace it with hip hop. I don't care what you replace it Mixing with. Desk. No guitar. You could we even actually you, need to. And we've talked. You about can replace this it with a banjo. I'd be down with a banjo. I'd be down oh, with dude. the electronic keyboard. Anything. I'm sick to death of the, the guitar on, on the banjo. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Kermit the Frog leading worship on a five string. That'd Get be to awesome. The church, Get to the church. Clap. Go. No. 
So uh, we do need actually to do worship on a mixing desk in Refuge Long Beach, man. It's time. We need to make the move. We need to find someone to do it. I don't even know how you would do it. I don't. Oh, man, I had two guys in Wales who could do it. It was awesome. That would cause the church ago. to Ten grow. Years ago. And we don't really want growth. We want transformation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whatever. Lame. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I don't, I don't really have any smack talk. I don't, I don't no, have no any man. good stories. Well, let's kick into the topic because this is a good one today. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Welcome. You are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by MoGive. Did they sign on again? No, but the month's not over. Oh, okay. Actually, right. M- actually, wait, let me <laughs> let me think about that. Wait a second. How many weeks are in the month of... When's the first? Is the first on Monday? Are, are we giving uh, them a bonus week? See, yeah, give. give them a bonus week. Roll time Dude, I'm sure they'll sign up again. We actually have given them so much bonuses. Like for the first, I don't know, six months of their contract with us, they... They contracted for two podcasts a month, and we're like, we're doing it every week. We love these guys. They're in. I think. I think at the point at which we at, we announce the topic, we just we just kick into it. It's like a reflex now. We should. We should. But we should probably. It was so funny because I was giving someone yesterday Kent Woodyard's contact details. Dude, what? This is Lucky Church Planner Podcast one fifty. What? This is our 150th pot. I just are, realized. Are you kidding me? No. Oh my gosh. 150. Wow. <laughs> what are we going to do? We're going to go into our topic. <laughs> All right, let's do it. All right, so Mo give. All right. Peyton, so, let me ask you yeah. something. Mm. You've been thinking about doing some online giving? Mm-hmm. For your church? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I wish people could see your face. <laughs> Have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder? Uh-huh. <laughs> that just was creepy, actually. <laughs> right on. Well, stop it. A better solution is here. MoGive.com is built specifically for the needs of new and growing churches. And MoGive allows you to take money online and by text. By text, Peyton. People can text your church Dude, if you money. Get, if you get any higher pitch, you're going to be talking like Mickey. <laughs> What's there was an ascendancy in that. See, I loved when we had Tyrone on the week that you were gone because he goes, look, I signed up for MoGive because you guys told us to, and I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, he gets money from MoGive. That's the power we have over our listening audience. It's it's a power I don't take lightly. No. With great With power great comes power great responsibility. Comes great, oh, oh, let's get married. Oh, oh. It's like we don't even need to finish talking. We just... <laughs> Unders- Pete understands me. We just look in each other's eyes and we know where the conversation's going. Sometimes when we're just talking as couples, Pete and I will start to giggle and we just look at each other knowingly. You know, we've th- there have been times in our That's relationship. Just wrong, huh? That there, was too far. There have been times in our relationship where we almost had to go to couples counseling. <laughs> <laughs> the Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve. But the podcast they need. Get to the church blind. Get to the church blind. Go now. <laughs> definitely, definitely not what you guys deserve. <laughs> definitely not. You don't deserve this. All right. So uh, on to today's topic. How, how are we going to kick this one off? Read the letter. It was fantastic. All right. So I get an email from Doug Teal. 
And we love us some Doug Teal. We do. So Doug Teal sends this this email. He says, uh, subject line, five minutes to help me prep a sermon, which we're going to stretch this into about a, a 40 more minutes of podcast. Well, let me let me just say at the outset, I, I really find it funny that he emails Pete for sermon prep help. <laughs> even think about that well, so this week i mean you know I, I i chat with ruben every tuesday and uh normally normally he's like hey text me back if we're gonna chat so i text him back i said uh i'm in i'm in atlanta right now and he goes he texts me back because if you know if you know ruben right he's gangster he's he's from the hood and he goes so i'm in california are we talking or not <laughs> so then so then i go no no, I'm in Atlanta. That means we're not going to talk. And then he hits me back. He goes, that's okay. I wanted to talk to my real pastor anyways, Pete, which he hits me with any time we can't talk. And then, of course, he's smart enough not to actually call me because <laughs> that would be a huge mistake. Well, Doug Teal apparently hasn't learned from Ruben. So he emails me for sermon prep. <laughs> he says, hey, Pete, I hope you're doing well. I'm trying to prepare for this coming Sunday's message, and I thought of you. <laughs> and this is why it's so funny. That never happens to me. And I thought of you. In Luke 16, Jesus gives the parable of the unjust steward. No, that's not why I thought of you. <laughs> Which I just that love. Was funny. Yeah, I just love the way he started that. Here's why. In Luke 16, 8, he quotes, So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And then uh, Doug goes on to say, um, he then goes on to say, make friends with unjust mammon. Uh, I believe he's talking about earning a seat at the table with unbelievers, all of Rick Warren, et cetera. I also believe he's saying that the worldlings, as Ray Stedman calls them, unbelievers, put Christians to shame when it comes to putting resources to work for them, making friends, building relationships before the sale. And he's using the word sale there, but he's talking about, you know, conversion of people. He's putting it in marketing speak, which is what I speak. Um, I've thought about all the marketing wisdom you've shared on CPP. Well, that's sad. <laughs> and wondered if you could, almost without thinking about it, share with me maybe the top five things that every great marketing person knows. Um, anyway, it goes on and and you know gives a couple suggestions, things like that. So I actually uh, did that. I uh, shot him back five great things that master marketers know that others don't. And we're going to talk about that on today's podcast. And it's funny because I think all but maybe one of these really speaks to evangelism. And I know, Peyton, when you and I were talking before the podcast, you were like, yeah, I want to talk about that because we need to talk about raising money and stuff like that. And that's great and all. but. Um, and, and we can actually, you know, talk about how these principles can apply to that. But I really do think that that they also apply to uh, to evangelism. Yeah. So well, let, let's talk. If I were if I were talking to um, Doug about a sermon, um, just that part where he says, you know, um, make 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 friends with um, unrighteous money. He's talking about money, seeing money as a kingdom resource in which you barter and sell um, the kingdom with. So in other words, um, 
often we separate um, secular and spiritual. And so we think, well, money, and a lot of people make this fatal mistake where they're like, well, money, you know, money's how the world works and everything. So you're watching Shark Tank and you just see, oh, well, that's how it works in the business world. And Jesus literally, but, but in church, you know, things work differently. And Jesus, what he's actually doing, he's slamming that kind of thought. What he's saying is watch Shark Tank and learn from them. You think that's what Jesus was saying? Watch I Shark think Tank? it's part of what he's saying. Because when he's saying that we're unwise with money, what he's saying is they invest well. They invest and get a return. In fact, you hear those guys, that's what they're talking about on Shark Tank. And they're, they're always saying, well, I'm not getting an investment. And what he's saying to, to believers is don't separate these two. Invest unrighteous mammon, which will fade away anyways, to invest in what will last for eternity. See, uh, see money as a kingdom resource. See it as something to invest in eternity with. Put that money to work towards, and here in this particular context, he's talking about using it to further the aims of the kingdom. You know, um, on that that concept of what you're saying, I, this might be part of the reason for it. And I don't know this is a fact, but but this might be part of the reason. In business, we know that money that comes to you without accountability and without responsibility is just wasted. I mean, yeah. it's it's flat out wasted. Of course, yeah. So you see a couple of different things in business. One, when you see a business owner who started a business from scratch using their own money and built that thing up, they're very stringy, stringent with their money. Like they're, they're very cautious about what they spend money on because it was their money. Like this wasn't money that was given to them. This is not, um, I, I heard someone one time describe the Middle East as a trust fund state. Kind of like how we look at trust fund babies today and right, they inherit millions of dollars and we all know who they are because they're all over social media and the news and the, they basically came into money without accountability and without responsibility. They didn't have to earn it. It just fell in their lap. Right. Well, the business owner who doesn't do that, who has to build it up, they're very careful with their money and they're very wise with it because, well, not always, but a large part of the time because They've got this personal connection where I really wonder if pastors have that same connection because they're not selling anything at the church. At least they shouldn't be, right? Yeah. And the money that comes in is all donation. And I think that might be part of the disconnect with the responsibility of that money is because, you know, it was just given to the church. And... Uh, we've talked about this on the podcast. Hugh Halter wrote in Bivo about, you know... Uh, church planners getting massive amounts of money. And then as soon as the money ran out, the church closed up. Right. You know, there wasn't this accountability. And I think that's right. That's part of what's going on here. There, there seems to not be an accountability to the money because it wasn't yeah. earned the same way. Well, think, think of the mindset, right? Like this, this is one of the things about, you know, when you give people a bunch of money, in, in a church planner's mindset, and there's nothing wrong with giving a planner money. In fact, what I like is when a network gives them money, but it's not enough to survive on. It might be a help, might take the edge off, it might, but it's not going to give them a full ride. I don't believe in full rides for church planners. 
The reason why is the mental mindset. There are two, two types of planners out there. The mental mindset required for church planning is whatever it takes, right? So people ask me like, you know, and I mentioned this when we were going through Matthew 10 a couple of weeks ago where in, in last week, but, but the first one particularly, uh, they were like, well, you know, people ask me, well, so like when you went as a missionary, how did you go? I'm like, I just went. I didn't have like the organization of a denomination. Calvary Chapel was a bunch of hippies. So they couldn't organize anything to save their life. So we didn't have these organized, this organized mission board. You just went. And so I just went, you know, I, I raised some funds and I went. And there was that risk that Jesus has inherent Matthew 10, just go. And so uh, I, I don't criticize anyone who, who does it differently. But the mindset of someone who says, look, there's a need. I will make a sacrifice. You have to have the mindset that you will sacrifice to be a missionary because mission always comes with a price tag. But the, the mental mindset of someone who goes, give me a bunch of free money and then I'll go do mission. Mm. You know, give me a free ride. And once the free ride is there, those guys don't make it because eventually the car stops, runs out of gas and the free ride is over. And those guys, because they never developed the mental mindset of sacrifice and working to raise funds or working with their hands, when it gets tough and it's not easy anymore, they quit. Mm. So, all right, we're going to get into the five things that master marketers know that others don't, and then we're going to apply it to uh, all the various places in church planning. And these are in no particular order because I didn't sit down and think of, you know, the order that they should be in. The five top marketing, uh, is it secrets? Well, I'm calling it the five things that master marketers know that others don't. And the reason is um, there's a lot of people who claim to be marketing experts, but they're not masters at it. So the people who are masters at marketing, they know things that others don't. Okay, so before we get into this, let me just set this up a little bit. If ministry people are guilty of what Jesus is talking about here. So, so Jesus tells a story about a tax collector and how shrewd he was with money. And what he's saying is, learn from this. So right away, we're going to have ministers like, oh, they're talking about marketing. That's, that's Beelzebub. That's the evils of the world. Well, hold on a second, guys. Have you read the parable that Pete just read? Jesus is saying, let me tell you a story about a guy who used money well. And then he, he gives the diagnosis that children of the world are wiser with their money than the children of the kingdom. And what he's telling you is learn from this guy and what he did. When I watch Shark Tank, I'm thinking about how this would work for ministry. I'm not looking for silver bullets. I'm not looking to replace the Holy Spirit, but I'm doing what Jesus said. In fact, I watch everything from superhero movies to just about anything else, because if you look at the parables in general or what Paul puts to work for gospel truth, Paul will use anything, poetry, he'll use the athletic games where people were killed, blood sports, he'll use war, he'll use anything. And Jesus, again, he'll take what people know and he will draw spiritual lessons out of it. The Puritans were masters of this. So as Pete's doing this, I hope that the listeners here will have the sense to go, okay, this may not be a ministry book. This may not be uh, a Bible commentary. But if Jesus is telling me to look at a guy who's good with his money and put it to work for the kingdom and use it to, to approach mission, then you have a biblical precedent. So I just wanted to kind of 
you know, blow out some cobwebs there. And because uh, I already know, you know, hanging out with ministers for the last couple decades, I already know the mental mindset and what you would have to overcome talking to a group of ministers. But uh, but yeah, you're I just agree. falling right in line with Jesus said. So sorry, yeah, man. I'll no, the other no, way I, I I completely agree with that. I mean, I think there is that mindset, and we talked about that actually beginning of our relationship. I was like, you know. I'm a marketer. God doesn't need a marketer. And I still remember your comment to me was, you're right. God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need me. He goes, yeah. I believe God delights when we use our skills and talents for his glory. And that made a huge impression on me. And I was like, you're right. You know what? God's given me this ability. I'm good at this. And I'm just going to use it for his glory. You know, however he wants to use it. But no, he doesn't need me. He doesn't need marketing. He doesn't need you, pastor. You might think God needs you. He doesn't need anything. Amen. And it's Eric Liddell going, yeah, God made me uh, a missionary, but he also made me fast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, back to that number one thing is uh, the purpose of making a sale is to gain a client, not the opposite, which is the purpose of a client is to gain a sale. That's how most people, most business owners look at everything is everything is about the sale. Mm. And master marketers know it's about the relationship. Because when the relationship is there um, in business, you'll actually make way more sales because there's a relationship. So to me, as I look at that, the uh, the evangelical equivalent or the the you know evangelist side of that, you know, the purpose of making a convert is to you know gain a follower of Christ, not. You know, let's just uh, chalk it up. Oh, cool. You know what? We said the sinner's prayer with that one, and you know, on to the next. And I'm trying to just, you know, at the end of the day, get as many tick marks on the board. Oh, look at all these people I, I, you know, led to Christ, and woohoo, I'm something. But there's no relationship, and so what happens? Those people fall away. Yeah, it, and and not only that, but I think you know, uh, over the years, people that are evangelists have have been guilty of kind of you know cozying up to someone and acting real interested in them, and then boom, they get converted and they move on, and they don't they don't become relational evangelists where they're like, look, if you get saved or not, I think it glorifies God more if you build relationship because you become an embodiment of the gospel to somebody saying, look, I care about you whether you're saved or not. God loves you no matter what state you're in and you're worth his time. You're worth my time. And, uh, you know, I think, I think that's true, man. Even if they don't get saved that you're building and that's how people often do get saved is they realize that this guy cared for me. And not only did he care for me, he okay, he didn't make the sale, but eventually he won me over to, to the Lord because we had a relationship. And he, he became the embodiment. I realized God must really love me if this guy's being my friend, even though I'm not, I, I, I'm not walking down the aisle. I'm not getting saved. I'm not, you know, signing my name on the dotted line. You know, I think the uh, the church planning equivalent of this is as far as like, you know, missions work and church planning work and raising funds. Um, the purpose of getting a donation is to gain, you know, a supporter as opposed to the purpose of a supporter is to gain a donation, right? Because that's what mm-hmm. most people are thinking. Just get people and get them to make a donation. But really what you want is someone who's really backing your church, not just with their cash, but I mean, they're, they're invested emotionally, uh, spiritually, mentally with you. They're, they're on mission with you. Like, yeah. Uh, I think about, uh, Jonathan Ferguson and 
Kenya because he always shows up in my newsfeed on Facebook. And so this morning he had this funny, funny uh, Facebook picture. And it, it had this quote and he said, Dear Samsung, my refrigerator is broke. Could you please send me three technicians to come out here and take pictures of my wildlife? <laughs> and it's like all the technicians are in his backyard taking pictures of the wildlife, not fixing his refrigerator. And the reason why I bring that up is that's like a relationship there, right? Like, you know, I may not uh, uh, personally be vested in Jonathan Ferguson's trip to Kenya, but like I care about it, right? I watch all the stuff that he puts on there. I read it. It's funny yeah. to me. There's a relationship that's going on. And so often, whether it be in business or anything else, it, it is. It's all about the money. And then the relationship is like ancillary. It comes yeah. down the line. And that's not the way it should be to maximize either one of those. Mm, that's powerful, man. All right. So number two, we've talked about this before on the podcast, and uh, there's about a million ways we can apply this to uh, church planning. So the second principle that master marketers know that others don't is there is already a conversation going on in your client's mind. Your job is to enter their conversation, not force your conversation on them. I love it. That that is that is a faith in the Holy Spirit right there that God is already working in their life. Well, not only that, but see what this is really speaking to is <clears throat> so often in business or in ministry, like we've got this message that we think everyone should hear or, or needs to hear, but it's not necessarily the conversation that's already going on in their head. Whereas if you just approach the conversation that's already going on in their head as it relates to whatever you've got, right? then they want to listen to what you have to say. It's kind of like um, in, in, in marketing, I'll use this example all the time. I could have the world's best sales letter. And the term sales letter doesn't necessarily mean it's on print. It could be a TV commercial, radio commercial. We just use that term interchangeably. It just means right. our, our, we could have the world's best sales message. Right. And if it's all about uh, the new Ford Mustang, I mean, and how great the Ford Mustang is and, you know, all the features that it got and the benefits that it's got and, you know, what it's going to do for your social life and chicks are going to dig you, men are going to want to be you. And it's like the world's greatest sales message about Ford Mustang. Tom Vu, baby. Tom Vu. But I'm sending that to Chevy guys. It doesn't matter how good it is. The Chevy right. guy is going to be like, whatever, dude. I don't care. I'm not buying yeah. a Ford found on road dead. No way. That's it. I'm out. And by enter the conversation people are already having, it does not mean have an annoying Jeep Wrangler pop up in the middle of whatever I'm watching because I can guarantee you I'm never buying one of those now <laughs> because of their disrespect to me. They've disrespected their audience. There you I'm go. out. But but like if you if the conversation going on in the Chevy guy's mind is, you know, how great he loves his Chevy trucks, well then you you enter it from that point of view. Well, you know, you find out what is it they like about the Chevy trucks? What is it, you know, that they use it for? And then you start talking to them about all of that stuff. And then you can start bringing in, well, you know, uh, Ford just came out with blah, 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 right? Because I'm entering the conversation that's already going on in their mind. And it's the same way with evangelism. You can be the guy on the street corner 
who's just uh, yelling Turner Burn. You can do that, and God will use that. Don't don't misunderstand me. I mean, we've all heard stories about how God used the the crazy guy on the street corner who's yelling Turner Burn, and people have been saved. And again, God doesn't need us. He delights when we use our skills for his glory. So God can use that. But God will also use the guy who just, you know, is sitting down at the bar or the coffee shop with a dude and just starts talking to him yep. and finds out what's going on in their life. It enters that conversation. And maybe you find out, you know, they're struggling with uh, their marriage or, um, you know, they're an alcoholic or, you know, whatever. You just start talking to people and and they lost their job and they don't have any money. And, and I mean, you enter that conversation. And you will be able to bring in the gospel when you enter that conversation that's already going on in their mind. So that's what that point is. True. Have I have I gone on enough? No, no, no other no. comments. You know, from I the was just gallery? thinking, just a, a case in point to that. Um, I was at a a restaurant with um, one of the pastors I work here with in Oceanside, a guy named Jared. And uh, we're out as couples. It was a Friday night. Their teenage daughters babysitting our kids, which was cool. It was a nice, like, you know, built-in babysitter to going out with them. Which uh, of course you I left the nanny out cams with them on. Again. What's that? Of course you left the nanny cams on. <laughs> so so here's the deal, right? We ended up. Uh, I don't have one. I should get one. You huh? should get them. Cool. <laughs> so so here's the deal. Um, this guy's just, you know, because the bar is right there. And so it's a real small place in downtown Carlsbad, but they make really good food. And this this guy's just kind of hovering around our table. And we just turn and start talking to him. Man, within like two minutes, we've got that he was raised there, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we're picking up. This guy's lonely, man. Like he didn't like reach over and go, hey, it's just a crowded place, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, it's kind of like the high top tables, the bar stools, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, so he, he ends up, you know, just kind of spilling out to us that, oh, I've got a lot on my mind, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now we could have right then and there, we, we did, we said, Hey man, you know, well, sorry to hear that. You know, can we pray for you? Oh, no, no, I'm okay on that. But, you know, literally if we had not been getting, cause we had to get back for our kids, but we could have easily had that guy just literally uh, sitting there spilling his guts out talking. And it was obviously the conversation he was already having in his mind. We, we all walked out saying that guy was lonely. And so we prayed for him, you know, and we we're like, you know, if we had the time, he would have been, you know, um, almost ripe for the picking. And I think it comes down to that you have to realize that people are out there having that conversation. They're in deep pain. They're confused in their life. They're unfulfilled. They're addicted to things. And we walk around thinking like everybody's cool. You know, like we live in happy town and everything's, well, I'm happy. I don't need Jesus. I'm happy without him. That's not true. And you have to have faith in the gospel to evangelize. You have to have faith that the Holy Spirit is always already working because the very design of mankind is that they have this deep need that only the gospel can fill. You have to walk around with that knowledge. Right. Yep. All right. So number three of the top five things that master marketers know that others don't. Number three is people behave in predictable ways. <laughs> Your prospects are not different. The same strategies that work in one industry will work in another. 
So you mean, Pete, that people won't just see my sexy logo and bite the bait? Well, that's not actually not what the point of that one was, but <laughs> just teasing. that is true. The, the logo ain't going to convert them. Now, yeah. what, what this is really speaking to is I literally every business I go into, people will say the same thing to me and they'll say, well, you don't understand our business. Our, our industry is different. Our business is different. Our prospects are different. I've got this one client who, you know, you and I talk about this client all the time. She has literally read every single piece on marketing I've ever written. Every book I've written, every newsletter I've sent out, everything. She's read it all. And I still have to fight her every time I want to implement something. Because she'll be like, oh, you don't understand our business. You you don't, you, you know, our, our industry is a little bit different. And I'm like, no, they're not. Let, let, me, let me prove it to you. We'll run what's called a split test. We'll do things my way and we'll do things your way and we'll see which one produces the better result. And you know who's going to win? It's going to be me. And the sooner you realize it's going to be me, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. And the reason why I bring that up is a lot of times um, th there's really two powerful uh, principles that you can take from this and apply it to ministry. One is the people who you want to reach are not different in the sense that they're not so different in personality or anything else that uh, ways that you reach other niches of people are not going to work. So like the medium might change. For instance, Josh Boyd, who we've had on the podcast, he his uh, market is MMA. He He reaches MMA fighters and he works with them. Well, the same things that he does to uh, endear himself to that community, which is basically being available for them, um, yeah. helping them out before fights, trying to help them get sponsors for their fights, basically being a real genuine friend to them. Yeah, he serves them. He serves them. That he's seems he's like a chaplain to them, well, even if he never talks about Jesus. And he be, yeah. it's almost like chaplains in the military. Well, and he gets the opportunity to talk about Jesus. Because exactly. he's he's doing that. And so like you could take that same principle. It doesn't matter what group you're trying to reach. You know, um, maybe you work at a, a industrial plant and most of your coworkers are Muslim. And you're like, well, how do I reach these people? Do I need to invite them to church? Well, why don't you do what Josh Boyd does? Mm. Why don't you just serve them? You know, become a friend to them. How can I help you out? What's going on in your family? What? And you're going to get, it's kind of like entering that conversation that's already going on in their mind. By reaching out to them, you're going to be able to reach into them and, and have a deeper connection with them when you're yeah. not just trying to sell them all the time, but like genuinely care about them. It's that, that relationship that we talked about at the beginning. And the second point to this that I think is really powerful is the same strategies that work in one industry will work in another. And you were talking about, um, you know, looking around and seeing what other people are doing and, you know, how can I use this? You know, you watch Shark Tank and you go, how can I use this in ministry? I cannot emphasize that enough that there are so many examples all around us of things that other people are doing to reach their markets. And it may not even be Christianity, right? It could be McDonald's trying to reach their market. And look at their strategies and go, how can I apply this to ministry? So I'm going to give you a classic example. Back in the day when I was a kid, <laughs> back in the day when I was a kid, <laughs> I'm listening, Grandpa. 
banks had this thing called a drive-up teller. You remember that? Yes, and they give out lollipops to kids. And your mom and dad would drive up to that instead of having to park the car, get out, go inside, and make their deposit or their withdrawal. They could just drive up. Yeah, and now that I have kids, they don't exist anymore. They don't exist anymore. It's amazing how times have changed. But what happened was this. The fast food industry looked at that and said, wait a second. How can we take that idea and apply it to our business model? Are you listening, Chipotle? Yeah. Oh, boy, wouldn't that be awesome? And that's how we have drive throughs now is because they looked at the banking industry and said, how can we take what they're doing and apply it to the fast food industry? Completely unrelated, had nothing to do with each other. And they took it. And now they kind of own that. And banks, like you said, they've let that go. And um, now what we're seeing around my house, we've got two different pharmacies that now have drive up windows. Because what have the pharmacies done? Finally, after, you know, 30 years of fast food having it, they've said, well, why don't we just have a drive-up pharmacy? Well, and that is so funny because, you know, it's so true, man. People who, you know, they've got chronic pain or they've got back surgery, you know, and their prescription runs out. What do they do? Get in the car and walk and hobble on the walker or the cane up to the, yeah, it it was a no-brainer, but they didn't apply these principles to their paradigm and all the the point that i'm making in that is look at other things that are going on around you and go how can we use this so you and i talked about this i went to an event on uh, right after april 15th this gal uh real estate agent put on a shredding event for the uh the community of la palma and basically um Everybody was allowed to bring down all the papers that they had to shred, all that type of stuff. And I literally had bags of it, which is why I went. Because <laughs> it's so expensive to shred it. And those little shredders you buy at the store, like I have literally gone through so many of those because I yeah. use it so much. It just burns them out. Like I've got still have the financial planning company and almost every piece of trash in that business has to be shredded because it's right. got, you know, account information on it and stuff like that. My, my point, though, is. I'm at her event and I'm looking at this and it's like, there's a line around the hospital parking lot, which is where this was at. And I'm thinking to myself, how could we use this at refuge long beach? How could we use this to bless the community, but also get to know them on a whole totally different, you know, wavelength, you know, let's do a shredded event. We haven't done it yet, but I did buy the, uh, the domain name shreditlongbeach.com. No and, kidding. Oh yeah. Nice. And, uh, and and if you guys want to know how to do it, man, I'll, I'll lay it out for you because you could actually use it as a moneymaker because you could get businesses to sponsor it because they want to reach the very people who are all coming there and stuff like the that. The other but. thing, too, is your, 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 your church is the promoter of the event, and there's name recognition right away from people. Well, there's name recognition. You get people at your church to volunteer to help everybody out. So, like, at this thing, you know, people were bringing bags and bags of shredding up, and so... She had um, these basically teenagers go over with, uh, uh, you know, a hand truck and say, hey, you know what, why don't you go ahead and let me put this on the hand truck. We'll take it over to that pile. You need to stay in line because we're not going to actually shred it for you, but you won't have to carry it with you all the way through this line. Mm. It'll just be waiting up there. You can see it. So, you know, no one's going through your trash. You can see this big pile and that way you don't got to carry it with you the whole way. But so your church could volunteer to do that. And, and, um, and then also what they did was 
like, you know, again, she's a real estate agent, so she's giving out uh, these baskets of goodies that had all the typical stuff real estate agents have, you know, like scratch Agents. pads with her name on it and all this type of stuff. And, and she did, made did everyone they have the, the poofy uh, cotton balls with googly eyes and sticky feet and then a little banner coming out that says, you know, my realty company. Yeah, I actually didn't. I didn't pay and a hard hat. But um, but my point is, she she also made everyone uh, sign in on a clipboard. They had to put their name, address, and all that stuff. And then she sent a thank you card out to everyone. You know, thank you for attending this. And of course, my advice to her was, your thank you card should also have a call to action in it. You know, thanks so much for attending our shredded event. Uh, by the way, I've got a a free consumer guide on La Palma home prices. If you'd like, I'd be more than happy to send it to you. Right, so that where you're you're. Again, that's the marketer in me trying to reach yeah. back out to people. Yeah. So you as a church could get all of the community's addresses. And, hey, thanks for coming. By the way, our church is doing a uh, uh, a three-part series on saving your marriage or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it's another way. To, but now you've got this relationship that's starting with this person. As opposed to you just trying to bring them into your church. It's like you've already served them. You've already done something yeah. for them. So I did this with a, an EV free church um, in Orange County. What I did was uh, they I went to speak there one Sunday and they had a parking lot that I parked in that they told me, hey, if our parking lot's full, park in our extension overflow parking lot. And so when I was there, you know, they 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 wanted to consult. And so I went out to lunch with the pastor and we chatted about it. And they they said, well, you know, um, you know, he, he said, we really want to reach a community. And, you know, we have hardly anyone who goes to the church actually lives in the neighborhood. Mm. And so that's bothering us. You know, people are driving from other neighborhoods to get here. How do we reach them? And, and I right away said, at some point, I said, what, what, are we, what are you doing with that parking lot? And he said, oh, you know, that's become a problem because there's, there's apartment, apartments all around them, which is, you know, as you know, it's, it's not going to be your uh, middle income families. So lots of Hispanic, lots of lower income, lots of, you know, whatever, um, college students. So I said, well, so he said, oh, it's become a problem. We actually have to chain it off at certain times because we can't park here because that thing fills up. If we have a night event, that parking lot fills up. And so we chain it up so that on Sunday morning, um, we can have parking. And I said, well, hold on a sec, you know, um, you're on to something here. I mean, not really, they were doing the completely wrong thing. But I told them, what you need to do is you need to start using that parking lot for, um, for um, community events. You need to have a giant neighborhood garage sale out of that parking lot. You need to send a flyer around. Hey, you guys, we're going to have like a swap meet here. Boom, boom, boom. So they did that. They actually did um, something to do with uh, clothes. I can't remember if it was, there was some service you could do for it. It wasn't dry cleaning, but it was something they did with clothes. And they threw this big event, wholly successful. And what I told them was, what you need to do with this is everybody who comes, you get their email. And then you email them afterwards and you tell them, hey, because this is the conversation they're already having. Hey, by the way, we've had to chain up our parking lot um, boom, 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 you know, and we want to start opening it up to you as a community so there's no issues. Come to this meeting. Now you've got them in the doors of the church. First, you got them mm. in the parking lot of the church. Now you've got, and, and what you do is you say, we want to start giving you parking permits 
So you can park here and never be worried. And, and here's the deal. Uh, we're going to make it so that if you have a parking lot per parking permit, you can park there on a Saturday night and, um, boom, boom, boom. You can park there all week. And they're like, yeah, but then we won't have it. And I'm like, look, your people might have to walk longer to get in. But the goal of this is to get these people into your church. And I'm just asking you, can you guys park further down the street in order to use this as an evangelistic tool to actually get the people? Now, now you've got the emails of the community. Now, any event you run, you can advertise. And I won't keep going on on this because I'm, I'm jumping on the back. But it's actually something, what you're talking about here is actually something I've done with the church. And of course, like your girl, <laughs> Oh, you didn't finish your story, but they both have similar endings. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually, I, I really like that idea. I mean, that's such a good idea because it reminds me of when I was in high school. I went to, uh, uh, for part of my high school, I went to a, a small private high school. And one of our teachers was a pastor. Well, I'm sure a bunch of them were, but I just remember this one guy was a pastor. And his church was near our school, uh, but it was literally across the street from the local public school. And so a lot of the high school kids would park in his church's parking lot. Right. And he hated it. I assume whoever else worked there must have hated it because they put up all these signs, tow away zone. If you park here, you know, we're going to tow your car. Yeah, they had that too. Yeah. And, um, and eventually he called the tow truck company and they came and towed all the high schoolers cars. And, you know, and I remember he was like, yeah, we had to do it. Cause the high schoolers, you know, they're always smoking there and blah, 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 blah. And I didn't think of it any different at the time, but based on what you just said, the better thing to do would have been to do exactly what you said, you know, open it up. Why not do uh high schoolers are always doing fundraisers, right? The, the cheerleading squad, the football team, the boosters, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, they're always doing like car washes. Why don't you volunteer the church parking lot for the car wash? That's right. Think of how fast your church would grow when they're like, hey, these guys aren't jerks over here. Well, we've been thinking about going to a church. Why don't we just go visit this one? They let us park there. Absolutely. And you know what? They had over 40 families come out for that event that they did. It was some kind of rummage sale or whatever. I remember it had something to do with clothes or blanket. I can't remember what it was, but 40 plus families from their neighborhood came in. Wow. And the the, the way this story ends poorly was they didn't get the emails. That was the thing. Yeah. I was telling them, you have to get the emails because what you're going to do is on the back of that, you're, you're entering the conversation. They want that parking lot. So you're using the space they already want as a community hub. Now what you're going to do is you're going to take that on. Now you want to use that as the front doorstep to getting into the, the, the next space you want them in, which is the church itself. And so then you're going to have the meeting for parking permits there. And now you've got them in the doors of the church. You're forming a relationship. And now you have an excuse because you serve the community to appeal to the community. Now you can tell them about your other events that you got going on via email. Well, what they did is they threw this event. It was really successful. They didn't get the email. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, what are you going to do next? They're like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's the way people are, man. But you know, it's, that actually reminds me of the movie, the overnighters. Remember that? Yep. I mean, you know, you got this great resource. Wow. They smell like alcohol and they stink and they're dirty. <laughs> And we don't want them here at our church. Right. And all you had to do was have that be the registration. We'll let you know of future events. 
boom. And everyone who came and visited from the neighborhood, take their email too, dang it. That's actually, yeah. I'm surprised you came out with such a good program. It, it actually you're not the marketer. came as a result of knowing you. All right. Well, that's what I like to hear. No, that's credit actually where credit's due. It's where your good Bible teaching extraordinary <laughs> gifting has come from. That's why people are approaching you now for sermon help. <laughs> for sermon prep. <laughs> Just joking. Uh, so anyway, uh, to finish this off, because I know we don't have much. Oh, wow. Yeah, we don't have much time. Uh, number four. And this is the one I'm not sure. You, you might have to pull this one out. I'm not, I'm not sure that this one really applies to ministry. But uh, of the top five things that master marketers know that others don't, never enter a market that doesn't already have competitors selling to them. If someone else isn't already selling to that market, there probably isn't any money in it. The more competition, the better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I actually am a big believer that uh, you can have multiple church plants in an area. And it'll keep you on your toes, man. You know, like, for example, we're in Long Beach. We are not the only church plant in Long Beach. But what's so good about having other church planters in Long Beach with us, you know, I come from Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel's big weakness has always been, it's kind of like Batman. This is my city. You know, get out. Gotham's mine. We don't need you here, Clark. We don't need you here. You know, you name it. Fill in the blank. Whenever a superhero comes to Batman City, he tells him, get out. He's very territorial. But with church planting, it spurs you on. If there are multiple church plants in that city, you listen to their stories and get encouraged. Well, we're doing this work at the university. Huh? What are we doing towards college students? Or we're doing this with these, you know, single mothers. Oh, wow. We didn't even think about that. So you get spurred on. Well, can we help you with that? Can we join with you? Can we partner? What have you learned? And it spurs you on because if you're the only one doing it, then, um, you know, you, you, in other words, you, it, the competition is healthy is my point. And just because someone's there planting, they like, for example, in Long Beach, there is another church plant that is doing extremely well and they've really grown in the last five years, but it's hipsters. So I would say that's kind of like a hipster church. That's awesome. Somebody's reaching the hipsters. I think that's fantastic. They've really got their finger on that uh, piece of the community. And I'm very grateful that they're there doing what they do. We're not reaching hipsters. And with a church like ours, we could, I suppose, but it's not really our, our niche. Our niche is, you know, more, <laughs> more reaching homeless, drug addicts, prostitutes, <laughs> you know, um, transgender homosexuals. That, yeah, transit. Like those that we reach the marginalized. Um, you know, we reach a lot of the, the black community, um, the Hispanic community. That's who we're reaching. We're reaching people that don't normally go to white middle class churches. And I'm cool with that. All right, so the very last one, so we'll finish this one up. The five things that master marketers know that others don't. Number five is the sin in all advertising, be it email, newspaper, magazine, TV, radio, etc., has nothing to do with length, but rather being boring. If you can't hold their attention, be it for a 10-word email or a 45-page sales letter, you've lost. Sin in marketing is being boring, and I would say the sin in evangelism is being boring as well. Yep. I mean, we, we've got the most lively, entertaining story there is that has to do with literally the creator of the universe. And if you can't make that jump off the pages, then you're lost. 
Yeah, absolutely. If you know, it's funny because the gospel puts the person uh, in the place of being one of two main characters. There's God and there's you. And if you're sharing the gospel correctly, both God and the person you're talking to become the main character. Um, what we do often is we make ourselves the main character. We're sharing the God. Mm. We talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and try to get the whole gospel out. We haven't included them in all. And that's why listening is a key part. Letting them talk is a key part of evangelism because you're hearing like Jesus, the woman at the well, he hears what she has to say, looks at me, and then he talks to her. I will give you living water, you know, boom, boom, boom. And he talk, he enters the conversation she's having, but he also puts her in the in in as the main character. Yeah. Him and her is the two main characters in the gospel. And yeah. That's you you actually hit on, you know, a very powerful principle that probably should have been in the top five, though I don't even know how to word it right now. But it has to be about them, right? It's not about you. It's not about your product. It's about them. That's that's what's most important to them. You know, we talk about entering the conversation in their mind. It has to do with them. Uh, the woman at the whale, it had to do with her. And then, you know, you enter that, the thing that's affecting them, what they're thinking about, and then you provide the solution, right? Hmm. And... um and it's incredibly boring to hear someone only talk about themselves. You ever been to dinner with someone, Peyton, who, you know, you tell a story and they're all, wait a second, I can one up that, right? <laughs> you know? And, and yes. they're like, well, when I was a kid, it wasn't just uphill both ways in the snow, but I didn't have shoes and my backpack was on fire. And it was like, like no matter what you talk about, their story is, I mean, and you want to reach people. It can't be about you. You stop yes. it being about you and it is all about them. So the pastor who trained me was a big reader and he would read this stuff and all that. And I remember he used to always ask people questions. And I remember really noticing that. And I asked him once, why do you do that? And he goes, well, he goes, I don't, he goes, I'm not comfortable around people. The people, people think I'm an extrovert because I'm brash and I'm this and I'm, I'm, but he goes, I'm an introvert. And he says, the reality is, um, I ask people questions because I don't want to talk. But he goes, but you know what happens when you let people talk about themselves? They come away from that encounter going, that was fantastic. Mm. That was a wonderful, I really like that guy. Mm. And you barely said anything about yourself. You just talked about them. And they, they come away with a positive impression that, that I had such a good time talking to that guy. It's because he let them talk about themselves. Yeah. Well, uh, there's a, just real quickly, there, there's a story of a guy named Jay Abraham, who's one of the top marketers in the world. And he was in Australia on a business trip and he was like at the pool, you know, on one of the, the nights and he, he meets this guy and this guy was in an industry that Jay, um, didn't know anything about. And so Jay just started asking him like every question he could think of that had to do, cause he was like fascinated by this industry that he didn't know anything about. And he realized when they got done that he had said nothing about himself. Jay had said nothing about himself. All he had done is ask this guy questions about what he did in his industry. And as the guy is walking away, he stops and he turns around and he goes, you're the most interesting guy I've ever talked to. Hmm. And notice Jay never said anything about himself and what he did. It was literally just asking hmm. this guy questions. And that guy thought Jay was the most interesting guy because he let him talk about himself. 
Absolutely. You know, guys, this has been uh, one of those rare podcasts where I feel like, you know, you actually have to normally pay money for this kind of stuff. But here's the deal. I love Pete's heart for church planners. And this has been a fantastic session. Remember, uh, do we? Oh, we got an ad, don't we? We do. All right, let's do that, and then I want to just sum well, up. We'll just real we'll quick. sum it up like this, guys. If you've got a church plant or an established church, and you need help with bookkeeping, payroll, insurance, any of that stuff, even web design, you need to get in touch with SimplifyChurch.com. We use them. We use them for Refuge Long Beach. We use them for New Breed uh, Ministries. Uh, they are a valuable partner of ours, and we can't recommend them enough. We know Josh Henry over there, Ginger over there. They're great people. They will take care of you, and they'll take all that stuff you hate doing, and they will do it for you. Go to simplifychurch.com and let them know that Pete and Peyton sent you, and, uh, and that'll be a, a great service for you and your church. All right, guys. Well, look, thanks for joining us today. Next time that uh, Satan stands in front of God and tries to point a finger and say that the children of the uh, world are wiser with their use of money than children of the kingdom, don't let that be said of you. Let God say, hey, have you considered my servant Pete? Or have you considered my servant Bob? You know, here's the deal, guys. Paul said in Ephesians, make the most of every opportunity. And that was an entrepreneurial term where what he really says is, like a, someone going through a market, buy up every opportunity. Be strategic is what Paul is saying. And Paul himself was an entrepreneur. People forget that. This has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Check, please. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music